Hello and welcome back to Tani Talks Life, to the TTL, brought to you by the Tani Talks Podcasts. This is the sheer where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons. Tonight's topic is donate this, donate that. All of my podcasts of the TTP, Parsha, TTPA, Perkeavos, TTD, DAF, TTOT, Occupational Therapy, or Overtime on Target, depending on how you look at that show, and this live show, the TTL, are on different podcast forums, including iTunes, Google, Spotify, Radio Cloud, you name it, and most recently, Yidpod, the Jewish podcast app service downloaded on the App Store today. This year is dedicated that Hashem should protect all of Amistral from all viruses and all sicknesses and all outbreaks, current one included. This year should also be for the Rafua and Yeshua of anyone who wants or anyone who needs. I am reachable at MaximumTEE at Yahoo.com, especially if you're interested in donations or sponsorships, please let us know. And please feel free to reach out with any questions, comments, or suggestions. As people who live in Western society, we just have way too much stuff. Ever notice how much stuff we accumulate over the years? When we were moving from our Brooklyn apartment to our Long Island home, we got an 18-foot truck. 18 feet! And it just wasn't big enough. And at that time, we were only married three and a half years and had one small kid. We had to go back twice to the apartment in a minivan to get the rest of our stuff. I think of our house, how much stuff is in the attic, the basement, and in the garage. For those who have much bigger houses, much more stuff is accumulated over the years, and it just sits there. Chances are, if it has sat there for two years, three years, five years, ten years, it's not going anywhere and will just accumulate more and will accumulate dust. No one's coming back for it. No one wants it anymore. It will just sit and waste away, especially old clothing, old books, old items. What can we do with all this stuff? The answer, in my opinion, is to donate this, donate that. If you have books you no longer read or use, donate this. If you have clothing you no longer wear or use, donate that. If it hasn't been used in at least two years, Chuck it to the donate pile. Donate this, donate that. Lahavdil, as Marie Kondo explains, the Kondo method encourages tidying by category, not by location, beginning with clothing, then moving on to books, papers, kimono, which is miscellaneous items, and finally, sentimental items. Keep only those things that speak to the heart, that bring joy in the heart, and finally, sentimental items. Keep only those things that really can spark joy. Discard items that no longer spark joy. Give it away. Donate it to someone else, to something else where it could spark joy for someone else. There are even six steps involved. Commit yourself to tidying up is the first step. Imagine your ideal lifestyle, clutter-free, mess-free, organized. Finish discarding first before Getting rid of items, sincerely thank each item. Thank Hashem, really, for each item, whatever He gave you in your life, but realizing that it could serve a different purpose, it could be donated to someone else for better usage, for better purpose. It had its time, its purpose in your life, but think of where to give it and donate what you can, where you can, however you can. 
You could tidy by category, not location. You could follow the right order. Ask yourself if it sparks joy. Do I need this? Do I want this? Can it add anything to my life? Or is it just accumulating stuff? After you finish discarding, organize your space thoroughly and completely. Do it all in one go. The question is, why do we keep so much stuff? I once heard from a family friend that he still had things in boxes in his attic for over 30 years. He moved in over 30 years ago. If it wasn't gone through then, it for sure ain't gonna be used now. So find where the stuff goes and give it a new home. As the famous phrase goes, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Again, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Meaning, what one person may consider worthless could be highly prized or highly valued by someone else. If you can't donate it and you don't want to just give it away, hold a yard sale, hold a garage sale, hold a tag sale. Let someone else benefit from stuff you no longer want. Don't hold on to it just because you think I might need it one day. I paid for it 30 years ago. I don't want to give it away. It's mine. Nothing in this world is yours. Any book, any item, any clothing, it's from Hashem. You're just the caretaker. You're the trustee. If it's not being used, it's not yours. Give it to where it should go. Give it to someone who better can use it. Give it to someone who better needs it, who better can make use of it. That clothing from 20 years ago, no one's using. Give it to someone in Israel who doesn't have clothing for the winter. The same thinking goes for all things, including toys, equipment, and the like. Ideally, donate this, donate that. Don't wait until you magically get cleanup fever or nesting instincts to go through and donate your stuff one day in a blue moon. Even Shabbos leftovers can be given to someone else who can use them if you're not going to eat all of it. Give it to a family member. Give it to a friend, a co-worker, someone who can use it. Don't let it go to waste. Many times, working for the school system, I had tons and tons of extra stuff. And somehow, some way, I might have bought something non-kosher by accident. What am I going to do? I'm going to throw it in the trash? Or can I just donate it to the teacher room? Can I bring it in give it to the nodgers? Wow! Mr. Tani, you brought in so much stuff. You're not going to use this? No, I'm not going to use it. Let the school have it. Let the teachers have it. Not only are we making use of the item, are we donating the item, but also by wearing the keep on my head, it's also a Kiddush Hashem. If you donate to those who are not Jewish, not only are you giving away things, giving it a new home, doing tzedakah and chesed, you're also adding in Mekadashem Shemayim. You're also adding in sanctifying God's name. Don't let it go to waste. Donate whatever you can in life. If you can detach yourself from things in life, understanding that we are the caretakers, the trustees of different things in life, material-wise, we're only like the executor of a will. Hashem wills that we have this stuff. Hashem wills that we have this house, this car, this garage. What are you going to do to execute the will properly to help those around you? If you understand we are just the managers of whatever we have in life, material-wise, we may be able to feel better equipped to give and donate whatever we can to those around us as much as possible. 
We don't really own anything in life. Hashem gives us different things to use and take care of, including money. But someone might be better tuned in. Someone for sure is better tuned in to stuff you haven't touched in years to use different things from our life. There are many organizations that need donations, especially physical, not just monetary. One of the major ones I think of is the car donation company, Cars for Kids. One eight seven seven cars for kids one eight seven seven cars for kids I must say their jingle is brilliant. It is not the most amazing song, but is extremely catchy and is stuck in my head for years. I don't know anyone else's phone number. You know, mine, my wife's, obviously. But some random phone number, I can't remember this one. The jingle stays. Cars for Kids. K-A-R-S, Cars for Kids. As explained by Wikipedia, Cars for Kids is a non-profit car donation organization based in Lakewood, New Jersey. Cars for Kids is a United States-based 501c3 nonprofit organization that states that its mission is to fund educational, developmental, and recreational programs for low-income youth through programs largely facilitated by its sister charity, URA, which focuses on Jewish children and families. It was founded in 1994 and is currently headed by Eliyahu Mintz. Cars for Kids is a nonprofit organization with this 501c3 status operating in the U.S. and Canada. Cars for Kids takes donations of cars, boats, yachts, and real estate, accepting over 40,000 cars annually. In 2018, Cars for Kids reported revenue of 65 million, over 65 million, and expenses of 59 million. Donations to Cars for Kids benefit Aura, a national profit organization whose mission is to give to these kids, these Jewish kids, these families, to give them ability to be active and productive members of their communities. They also offer financial assistance to students to help pay for private school tuition and GED testing. The organization also sponsors a youth program known as the Chill Zone, very famous, an after-school program teaching Jewish culture and moral values. They also sponsor the summer camp, The Zone, which operates Jewish sleepaway camps in the upper Catskill region of New York State. They also offer small grants to other nonprofit organizations, and in 2016, Cars for Kids awarded $5,000 to Girls on the Run International. The organization hosts regular coat and clothing giveaways for the needy nationwide, including in Harlem, New York, Washington, D.C., and in Newark, New Jersey, where they held a giveaway together with then-Newark Mayor and current U.S. Senator Cory Booker at the time of this writing. So on one level, an old clunker car you no longer need, you no longer want, you're not going to get the money for you wanted, it's 45 years old, you're not getting a 1000 you're not getting 500 for it. What can you do with it? You could donate it to this beautiful organization, this wonderful cause. It's going to sit in your driveway anyway. It's not getting money. It's not getting use. Give it to Cars for Kids. In terms of clothing, I think of the Yad Lea clothing drive, which comes to our town annually, usually around October. Wikipedia explains, Yad Lea is a volunteer-based 501c3 nonprofit organization which sends clothing to poor families in Israel. It was founded in 2004 by Passaic resident Jessica Katz and Beitar elite resident Karen Milch Thaler. It distributes tens of thousands of articles of clothing to over 25 communities annually, selling them for a nominal fee. 
Yacht Leia has a volunteer center located in Passaic, New Jersey, where volunteers can pack and sort donated clothing. I cannot tell you how wonderful the feeling is for my wife and I to go through our stuff, bleed Neder, each year to see what we could give away. This year, we were Zoha to proudly give away three bags full of clothing to the needy of Israel. I wasn't using that stuff. We weren't using that stuff. It's accumulating dust. What is the point of wasting space? Where can it go? I'll tell you where it could go. To people in Israel who really need it. Donating feels so good, and it is a wonderful thing to be involved with. You can even be involved in donating toys as well. According to High Lifeline, the Honey Angle Toy Drive is the cause involved with toys. As they depict on their website, toys and games are a prescription for recovery. How true for me as an OT, we use toys and games all the time to work with their kids and their skills. Lo, Elena, Lahavdum, kids that are dealing, dealing with major medical crises and issues, how much more so they also need toys and games. Play is crucial for helping children cope with medical procedures, doctor visits, and hospital stays. Be part of High Lifeline's toy drives and help keep a child occupied and happy during a turbulent time in his or her life. How many games does a family need? How many toys does a family need? How many toys sit untouched gathering dirt and dust for years in the closet, in the toy closet, in the game closet, wherever it may be? Select a gift in any price range for a sick boy or girl ages infant through teens. New unwrapped toys and games only. Check packaging and labeling for toy safety guidelines and manufacturer's age recommendation. No toys that are breakable, have sharp edges, brittle plastic or glass, or contain detachable small parts. No guns or toys that encourage violence. Really? Please don't even think about that. Including violent electronic or video games. Gifts for teens are especially appreciated. Toys are carefully selected for high lifeline patients and siblings by age and interest and given to children during holiday parties across the country. Double the mitzvah. Purchase gifts at one of the Toy Drive partner stores and a portion of the purchase price will be donated to High Lifeline. For more information, including a list of participating schools and drop-off locations, call 877-HIGH-LIFE, extension 656, or email, much easier, toys at highlifeline.org. Easy, simple, useful. Pickups of large donations can also be arranged. In terms of Jewish books or novels, in our town, we have one such initiative that we personally began, which we call the Free Lending Library, the FLL, where Jewish books and novels are lended out to members of our town in a safe and proper manner. Jewish novels or books can be donated as part of the FLL as well for others to take and read. God willing, we'll talk more later about that in Mir Tzashem. In your town... You could probably donate books to libraries or little libraries or other places that will be glad to take the books off of your hands. There are gamachs for different purposes and needs, such as Purim costumes, wedding dresses, furniture, baby items, and much more. Listen to this about gamachs from Chabad.org with writer Linda Herschel. What is a gamach? Gemach is short for gemilot chasadim, which we will mention a few times. Gemilot chasadim, gemach. You can look it up on Google and not find an appropriate translation. It offers words like charity, benefaction, philanthropy, favor, benevolence. But, or benevolence, these words don't just capture the idea of a gemach or the depth and breadth of gemachs that exist. 
A classic gemach is a free loan society. People borrow either small amounts or large chunks of money without having to pay interest. In addition to complying with the biblical prohibition on charging or paying interest from or to fellow Jews, these gemachs are a lifeline for people in need. Many, like the author, contributed monthly to a gemach when their children were very young. That was considered charity, or in their case, maaser, tithes on the income. Years later, they borrowed from that same gemach to help pay for their children's weddings because prices are astronomical over the past decades and century. Now they're paying it back, and of course, it is interest-free. But the broader definition is that there are many types of gemachs, many non-monetary gemachs, those that share all kinds of items or services. These gemachs either don't take money or else take a deposit or a token amount of money, so it would supposedly make them a sort of charity as well. And of course, the giving is certainly benevolent, especially when it could mean answering the door at all hours of night or day. There are a few that entail an investment of money so that it might be called philanthropy. Perhaps the best translation for gemach is acts of loving kindness. In the Israel town of Beit Shemesh, there are 151 categories of gemachs. And under each category, there could be an average of five or more addresses where you call or just show up to borrow or receive whatever you need free of charge, whatever service you might need at the moment. Here's another example of a gemach. Suppose it's the last day before a school break. You don't have any small change, but you need to give your daughter $5 that morning to help pay for the teacher's present. Or maybe you need to get to the urgent care clinic, Lowell, quickly, and don't have money for a taxi. Someone over there started a small change gemach. Anyone in the building can borrow up to 50 shekels, around $15. The person started it as a merit for the recovery of her nephew who has the big C, Lowell, Then there was the time the author explains that her son was visiting for Shabbos with his children. Come 11 p.m., what could they not find? They could not find the grandchild's pacifier. Anyone that was ever a baby or had a baby or saw a baby knows oftentimes the pacifier is key. So what do you think would have happened if the kid had no pacifier? It was destined to be a miserable night for baby parents and grandparents alike. Because it was Shabbat, they couldn't call. However... They knocked on the Gamach's door and were provided with a choice of brand new pacifiers in a variety of colors, shapes, and sizes. What a concept. There are several baby food Gamachs. These are for babies who must have food and whose mothers cannot provide it. There are mothers who donate to this Gamach. True chesed, true loving kindness. Or suppose someone gives birth to a baby boy on a Friday. Doesn't have time to make chickpeas for the traditional Shabzacha. They get home five minutes before Shabbat because the hospital couldn't get their paperwork together. What do they do? So there is a gemach where the community, many communities have, that they are able to help the family welcome the new soul to his new world on that Shabbos. They call the chickpea gemach, they call the food gemach for the Shabzacha where they have food traditionally served at a Shabzacha, including chickpeas for those who do that and beer for those who do that, even if it is literally minutes before Shabbos. As you can see, Gemilas Chasadim is something that anyone can do. You don't need a lot of resources. You don't need a lot of talent. All it takes is someone with a big heart who really wants to help others and some ingenuity as to how you can be of assistance. Think of some examples that people have come across, started by people who had original ideas and how to be of service to others. Avelus, Lo'olenu. They bring low chairs and sometimes a safer Torah for mourners who are sitting shiva. Of course, there are organizations like Misaskim in America and around the world. We should never know from such things. 
There's batteries recycling, car bike rack, chuppah to borrow marriage canopy, copying documents, computers, elevator rescue. Those who are stuck in elevators, we should also never know from such things, especially if someone has claustrophobia. Freezer space to offer extra food storage. This is especially useful. Near the holidays when people bake ahead of time but don't have room in their freezer. Only in America is it normal to have a 25 cubic foot fridge or a 25 cubic foot freezer. Try saying that 10 times fast. Or both, 25 cubic feet of fridge, 25 cubic feet of freezer. In Europe, they don't have such a thing. The average size is like 13 cubic feet. Somehow in America, it's like double size, triple size me. So people that don't have the room, there are people who donate room in their freezer, in their fridge to help out those who don't have capability to actually have enough room in their fridge or freezer. There's also a gamach for measuring spoons for baby formula. You really don't know how much formula to put in a baby's bottle if you lose that spoon. Mousetraps, pin for gas burners. The holes in gas stove burners often become stuck with gunk. Calling an appliance repairman can be costly. The pin does the job. Snake catching, especially in Israel. One of the words our sages used to describe the Jewish people is gamle chasadim, those who do acts of loving kindness. We are a nation who puts into practice good deeds and kindness. From small to big, in pregnancy and in death and everything in between, we should only know from good things, there is someone who is ready to help you out in your time of need. Which should really make us wonder, what act of gemilav chasadim can I consider doing? What can I do to donate to those around me? Whether my time, my ability, my resources, or just things. The sisterhood of our shul in our town has a clothing gemach. As the website explains, the sisterhood currently operates a clothing exchange to help us empty and then refill our closets, Shabbos outfits, school clothes, comforters, shower curtains, dishes, and much more. In addition, in our town, for example, they also have a gemach for simcha gown dresses and maternity clothing gemach as well as a skirt gemach. There's also a shtick gemach as well as for weddings. There's also a baby supply gemach in our town. One of the shuls in our town also has a medical gemach where one of the families loans out wheelchairs, walkers, and other medical devices to all who need. As explained on the shul website, the garage wasn't going to be used for a car anyway. Out here in Long Island, almost no one uses their garage, especially a detached garage for the car. They just park it in the driveway, and the garage ends up being stored. If you're going to use it for storage anyway, why not store something that you could donate and help others with? Other places also have money gemachs and loaning money, interest-free loan gemachs. Have car seat gemachs if less than five years old due to regulations, as well as different places have gemachs for wedding centerpieces, baby formula, cell phones, chairs, tables, moving items, gardening, food, household items, shoes, shaitels, jewelry, sfarim, Jewish novel lending libraries, ahem, by us, ahem, achnasas orchim, folding beds, cooking items, travel items, kid items like high chairs or pack and plays, and so much more. These are all things and places we can do and what we could donate for. We ourselves personally have personally lent out multiple items from this list and it didn't cost a dime. JTA.org points out, need a wedding dress and don't have the thousands of dollars it might cost? What about a Purim costume or a bicycle or a loan for a new car? A gamach can help. 
The word gemach actually is an abbreviation in Hebrew, as we've said, gemilat chasadim, acts of kindness. The term originally referred to a fund that loaned money to anyone who needed it, based on the Torah's requirement to lend money to Jews interest-free. The first organized gemach in America, the Hebrew Free Loan Society of New York, was establishing the wave of Jewish immigration to America in the late 1800s. Over time, the concept has evolved to include loans of all kinds. These days, it's possible to find a gemach for virtually everything. Interest-free loans, baby supplies, wedding clothes, and everyday clothes. One gemach loans out props for wedding celebrations, including Mazel Tov signs and Hawaii lays. In Crown Heights, there's even a gemach for bicycles, started by a father of nine who wanted to promote fitness among Hasidim. A gemach can be difficult for the uninitiated to crack into because of its nature, that is, lending out valuable things based on trust alone. It's often limited to a local Jewish community. On the other hand, tracking down a gemach, either to make a donation or to borrow an item, is a great excuse to familiarize yourself with your local Jewish community. Or you can always start your own gemach if there isn't one in your community already. What can you donate to a gemach near you? What can you think of starting to lend out to those around you? It all starts with an idea, a need, and it all starts with you. Rabbi Pakus points out on H.com. What can you do to ensure that you have a portion in the world to come? Perkei tells us, Kol haba. Everyone has a share in the portion of the world to come. It's very easy to lose, God forbid, but it's also easy to gain. A wagon driver, a simple man, once asked the Chafetz Chaim, Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan, this exact question. What did the Chafetz Chaim respond? The Chafetz Chaim, the greatest rabbi of his generation, advised him, start a gemach, a free loan society. Any gemach. Start a gemach to help others. Again, the word gemach, gemilos chasadim, doing deeds of kindness. In Perkei Avos, my favorite safer, Ethics of the Fathers, join us on the TTPA. A little plug. Ethics of the Fathers 1-2, the Mishnah teaching states, Shimon HaTzadik, the righteous, used to say that the world stands on three things, Torah, prayer, and deeds of loving kindness. If you have Torah in your life, you have prayer in your life, but you're missing on a loving kindness, your table, your world will not stand up. You have a table that has three legs, and one is missing, it will by definition fall over. Everyone needs to have acts of loving kindness in their life daily. The Talmud tells us in Yavamo 79a, the Jewish people are known by three traits, merciful, morally sensitive, and doers of kindness. If you're missing any one of these, not only is a leg of your world missing, but we're worried and we question if you're even a Jewish person by heart. We're worried. A person must, by definition, be a doer of kindness. How one expresses those qualities is only limited by his or her imagination, creativity, and sensitivity to others' needs. This fits right in with the highest level of Rambam's eight levels of tzedakah. Maimonides, eight levels, righteousness, philanthropic assistance to others, is to help a person before he becomes impoverished with a loan or by finding him a job or a business deal. The best level of tzedakah is not giving anonymously both ways. It's not to give someone anonymously that you don't know and they don't know. That's a high level. It's not the highest level. The highest level is actually to give someone a job, to give someone a chance to 
be able to make it themselves, giving them the independence, whether through a loan or a job or a deal, like the motto, to give people a chance to stand with dignity on their own two feet. To teach someone to fish is better, to give someone the ability to fish on their own is better than, than fishing for them each time. It's said better later on, God willing. In Jerusalem and many other Jewish communities, however, there are literally thousands of different types of free loan societies. They even publish a directory. If one is having a simcha, joyous celebration, and engagement in a bris, there are gemachs to borrow tables and chairs and dishes and silverware. If it is Shabbat, the pharmacy is closed, one goes to a medicine gemach. Imagine the joy of being able to borrow the right power tool. The former mayor of Yerushalayim, Uri Lopiansky, started his career helping people with a gemach, Yad Sara, for medical equipment including beds, wheelchairs, and oxygen machines. Yadsara grew to a multi-million dollar institution, helping people throughout Israel. And Uri Lopiansky was drafted to be on the Jerusalem City Council, where he eventually became mayor. Bridal gowns are very expensive. One can borrow a gown, pay for tailoring, wear it, have it cleaned, and return it. In Perkeavos 421-22, the Mishnah states, Rabbi Yaakov said, This world is compared to a corridor before the world to come. Prepare yourself in the corridor in order that you may enter the banquet hall. In the Talmud, it says elsewhere, this world is compared to Erev Shabbat. The next world is compared to Shabbat. Prepare on Erev Shabbos so you could eat on Shabbos. This world is about work. This world is about doing good, changing your traits, changing your ways, doing all you can to give, give, give to others, to donate to others, to do for others. The next world, you can't do that. It's all stagnant. You could only build and be rewarded on what you did here. Because the Mishnah also says, better one moment of repentance and good deeds in this world than all of the world to come, than all of the time of the world to come. Better one hour, one moment. Better one moment of spiritual pleasure in the next world than all of the life of this world, but better one hour of action, of doing, of good kindness in this world than all of the world to come. You want to talk about ultimate pleasure? That's the next world. You want to talk about the opportunity to fulfill God's will, to make the world a better place, to perfect your character, to do for others? You donate now. You do now. You give now. This world, this time, this 120 years we should be zocha. this is the place. This is the time. In the next world, there's no opportunity to do mitzvahs. There's nothing you could do. You can't perfect yourself in the next world. You could only do that in this world. What better way to have pleasure in this world and the next one than to help others by starting a free loan society, starting a gemach to help others. One of my favorite characters in all of Tanakh, Avraham, is told by Hashem himself, I have loved him because he commands his children and his household after him that they keep the ways of the Almighty to do righteousness and justice. Righteousness and justice from Boratius. If you'd like to know more about what the Torah teaches about kindness and how to help others in a simple, practical way, a wonderful Sefer I went through in Israel and also many years ago. Highly recommended to go through it again for myself. But in general, everyone should get this amazing, classic, essential book, Ahavas Chesed, written by the same author who is very into Shmira Salashan. Why would he write one book on Shmira Salashan and another one about Avar Chesed? Because the Chavitz Chaim knew that the challenges of our generation and previous generations are to deal with our closing our mouths, stop with the Lashar, Motzichema, Rechilas, and Avak, all of that. And also, there's too much selfishness, there's too much self-centeredness in the society and culture around us 
So he said, I'm going to make a book, a beautiful, beautiful book, Ahavad Chesed, and it's changed into a daily lesson by Art School. Totally recommended. Beautiful book. Very easy. You read a page a day. You can get through it in about a year, even less if you go quicker. Available at your local Jewish bookstore or online. So what can we do to think of a need in our town, in our community, in the world at large? Pesci Needleman points out on atime.org. In order to be a well-rounded individual, one must make sure to properly mix the household duties, the job, one's own self-care, and not neglect the communal responsibilities. This is not hard to do because there are so many ways one can help out in the community. For many who don't have extra time to spare, running a gamach is the perfect solution as it is practically self-run. Gamachs abound in all from communities. You can even start up one yourself. Blech gamachs are old school. No one blinks an eye when they hear about the sitter gamachs or mechitza gamachs or tablecloth gamachs. What's in nowadays are unique gamachs. Nothing is too small or too uh, strange to open a gamach for. The stranger the better. Find your niche. How about an oven mitt gamach? A lint roller gamach? A thimble gamach? Any type of gamach you want to do, you should do. It's simple, really. You just have to assess the needs of your particular community and address them. Even a band-aid gemach. Come on, hop on the bandwagon and <clears throat> open a bandwagon gemach. Not sure what that is, though, but sounds like it could be useful. Once you decide what your gemach will specialize in, you must then go out and buy numerous versions of the object in various colors. For your oven mitt gemach, you would run to your local houseware store and buy a red pair of oven mitts for fleishiks, a blue pair for milchiks, a green pair for hot veggies, a yellow pair for banana bread, a checkered pair for the country-style kitchen. For a lint roller gemach, you buy tons of lint rollers from the local dollar store. For a bandwagon gemach, you buy a few different size bandwagons. Maybe go on eBay for that one. You're going to want to find free shipping. Then just designate a room to store your items and decide what hours you will be open. Pay for some ad space in your local circular to announce your gemach to the community. We actually were able to get an advertisement in the shul. They put a beautiful ad of the flyer I made on Canva.com. I love that website. Making flyers all the time. And we sent it out about the FLL and Baruch Hashem, the community knows. Here's a sample of a made-up gemach. Announcing for the first time in Yehoppetsville. Neat and simple thimble gamach. Don't needlessly prick your fingers anymore. Come to my thimble gamach. Open Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays from 8 to 9 p.m. Special Arab Shabbos hours upon request. Minimum donation optional. If opening a gamach is not your thing, there are so many other ways you can make a difference in your community. There are many worthy organizations that need your help. If you are the type of person who has been blessed with a sense of style, you can volunteer to set up for a tea. There's so many ways to donate your time, your abilities, or your talents. The Aish Rabbi points out on Aish.com. The Code of Jewish Law, following Maimonides' Laws of Gifts to the Poor, 10, 7 to 14, describes eight different levels of charity. The highest we talked about, we mentioned again, is someone who strengthens a fellow Jew in need by a gift, a loan, or offer of partnership or employment. From here comes the Jewish concept of a free loan fund called the Gamach. If you help someone start a business, he can feed himself and 10 other people besides. As the old saying goes, rather than give him fish to eat, teach him to be a fisherman. As we mentioned before, said in the wrong way. Rather than give him fish to eat, teach him to be a fisherman. 
actually there's even one higher level of tzedakah, being sensitive to someone before he's in trouble. As the sages explain, it takes one person to support something before it falls. But after it falls, even five people may not be able to lift it. Help out others to stand on their own and you give the ultimate help to those around you. There's a fascinating Facebook group of a rabbi that lived where I grew up in Staten Island called the Karen David Winyar's Free Items Gemach. This is a Facebook group explained as the following. Rabbi David Winyar has touched an amazing amount of people. One of the many items he was involved with was a Free Items Gemach. The group is meant to be a continuation of that Gemach. Anyone is welcome to post items they're looking for or want to give away. It's not a commercial group. And all offers are to be free. It is okay to ask the recipient to arrange for the delivery pickup of the goods, even at their own cost. Please make sure to state location when posting, including photos, is a plus. May we all have solace and continue Reb David Zatzal's great legacy. Happy decluttering. In our town, we have a WhatsApp group called the Giveaway Resell Group. has over 250 members. Oftentimes, members give away or donate items for free, To anyone on the group, oftentimes posting pictures, anyone that wants and claims it first can get it. Donate this, donate that. Have you ever heard of the chicken lady? There's a 93-year-old lady in Yerushalayim at the time of the writing of the article that has such a name due to the kindness she does and what she donates. H.com explains about this with author Ma'ayan Jaffe Hoffman. If you had met Chaya Hammer on the bus or in the supermarket, you probably would have smiled at her but then passed her by. Little would you have known of the miracles that this 93-year-old great-great-grandmother is capable of performing. If you had not met Chaya, you may have assumed that all people in their 90s are in nursing homes or, de- or in assisted living or dependent on their children and necessity. Little would you have known how many lives this woman enhances, saves really, or the kindness the survivor of the Russian pogroms bestows. She is affectionately known as the Chicken Lady. The Chicken Lady began her kindness campaign 22 years ago during a routine trip to Hackers, a kosher butcher shop in Yerushalayim. She explains, I was standing in line and I saw Mr. Hacker give a young girl a huge plastic bag. I saw from the distance it was nothing but fat and skin. The girl said thank you and left. I waited my turn. When I got to the front of the line, I said, Mr. Hacker, how many cats and dogs does that family have that it needs so many scraps? Hacker explained that the family had no pets but seven children. The father was on dialysis and the family had little income, Lo Elenu. He said he could not afford to give them more for they already owed him much, much money. He explained they used the fat and skin for chicken soup, quote unquote, and for the chillin, the Shabbat day stew. The words went straight to Chaya's heart. She looked across the counter and said, From now on, give the family chopped meat and a whole chicken and I will pay for it. Chaya started by helping that one family. That soon became two families. Today, at the time of the writing of the article, 136 Jerusalem-based families come to hackers for their Shabbos meat, running up a weekly bill of over $1,000. Most of these families do not know their anonymous benefactor. The kindness, however, does not stop with those close enough to get to hackers. Before Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of the Jewish month, Chaya's 17-year-old great-granddaughter comes over to prepare greeting cards, envelopes, and checks amounting to about $6,000 to send to 64 families throughout the country. 
When the checks are written, they are placed in envelopes with a cheery Chodesh Tov, good month, greeting card, and a decorated stamp, usually the newest Israeli creation. The envelopes are addressed with computer-printed labels, and they are sent with a smile and love. Chaya says the idea of greeting card is to ensure people feel good about the money they receive. I don't like people to feel belittled because they need charity. Where does Chaya find her quote-unquote clients? Through the grapevine by reading the newspaper. Many of Chaya's recipients have truly tragic stories. We should never know from such things. She sends money to the 15 children of quote-unquote Shlomo, who was walking down the stairs from his third-floor apartment to deliver Mashlach Mana to a neighbor on Purim, and unfortunately, he passed. She says, I have them. In 2000, when Palestinian terrorists murdered a husband and wife, Lo'olenu, living eight young children, Lo'olenu, Chaya assumed responsibility for them. Neighborly kindness is not something Chaya grew up with. Born in Vinograd, a small town in the Ukraine, Chaya says her classmates teased her for using a Hebrew name. She and her family survived three programs before running away to Romania. The Romanian border police refused her family entrance and they were jailed for five months. When release finally came, when the release finally came, the family headed straight for Israel. My father was very Zionistic. How I love this country. How I love it, Chaya says. However, Chaya's mother had tuberculosis, so the family was forced to relocate to America. Two and a half years later, Chaya's mother did not make it at 34, the family remained in America until 1969 when Chaya and her now deceased husband, Ephraim, made Aliyah to Israel. Today, there are five generations of hammers in Israel. Chaya, her three daughters, seven out of nine grandchildren, 17 great-grandchildren, and two great-great-grandchildren. With everything the devoted Bobi, Yiddish for grandmother, gives to her upteen offspring, one would think Chaya should have little time for a chicken business, quote-unquote, but she is very organized and dedicated. Chai doesn't think she's doing something unusual. It's just the Jewish way, she says. A trip to Chai's modest three-bedroom apartment reveals her intricate system. In it, there is a chair cushion designed with images of little white chicken heads facing a mantle of chicken-stuffed animals, figurines, and mugs. All gifts. However, most importantly, there is a desk strewn with envelopes, cheery stamps and cards, and next to a chair piled high with ten large stacked filing boxes. When a donor sends money for the chicken lady's endeavors, the name, date, and amount is recorded in an account book. She has a book that had 54 pages that have been filled up very quickly. Once the donation is recorded, she writes a personal thank you note to the benefactor. Then the donor's name is placed on the card and filed alphabetically in one of the 10 boxes on the chair. Chaya raises her chicken money by word of mouth. While most donations come from the U.S., she has supporters in Europe and the Far East. Thank God I have a good name and people trust me, she says. They know if they give me $1,000, it goes directly into the charity fund. Unbelievable. One 93-year-old woman who could easily pass for 60 is feeding hundreds of needy people with no more than the knowledge that this is the Jewish way. When I know that children are hungry, she says, I want to give them all I have. Anything we can do, we can start to do, even if we start small to help those around us, is something that we should do. What can we think of to do to donate to the town and the people around us? Dr. Miller points out from May 2020 from H.com, for the Jason family of Houston, giving is a way of life. We're used to helping people, explained Matthew Jason 15 in an exclusive interview with H.com, in which he described his family's unique project helping homeless and other underprivileged people during the coronavirus pandemic. 
For several years, ever since Matthew was eight, the Jasons have regularly volunteered with a local charity aiding Houston's homeless. Parents Mark and Veronica would take their three sons, Matthew and his older brother Jeremy, 19, and Danny, 23, to a distribution point each week where the family would help hand out meals to homeless people. The family formed a bond with many of the homeless and also developed a keen sense of reaching out and aiding others. The Jasons are active in their local synagogue and through the years they've turned to their Jewish community for help in their work with the homeless. Jeremy marked his bar mitzvah by creating a campaign to donate socks for homeless people. Through his family synagogue, he eventually raised over 800 pairs of socks to give away. As part of Matthew's bar mitzvah celebration, he brought birthday cake and food to donate to homeless people to help them celebrate their birthdays as well. Matthew has continued the project for years. I bring birthday cakes once a month to help celebrate homeless people's special days. As concerns about coronavirus spread, the Jasons worried about how it would impact the homeless people they were used to working with and other underprivileged Houstonians. The ability to have and wear masks helped, but not all were privileged to have masks. It is especially difficult for homeless and other people who might not be able to afford necessities like food, let alone face masks and other protective items. We were sitting down for Shabbos dinner as a family, Matthew recalls, wearing our kippahs, and we realized that kippahs are sort of the shape of a mask already. As the Jasons enjoyed their Shabbat dinner, they discussed the possibility of turning kippahs into protective masks to give away. Matthew and his brothers had many excess kippahs that they'd ordered for their own bar mitzvahs as well as kippahs from their friends' bar mitzvahs through the years. Everyone in our community seems to have a drawer or two or three or four of kippahs they no longer use. Matthew explains, he and his brothers gathered together all the kippahs they could find in the house. They turned up 70 to 80. The families experimented with ways to turn them into face masks and came up with several different methods. Their favorite was to sew two six-inch loops of elastic onto the seam on each edge of the kippah's backing, forming loops that can go over wearer's ears. The entire family worked perfecting the plan and created scores of masks. The Jasons brought the kippah masks along with them the next time they volunteered to distribute food and supplies to the homeless, and the response they received was overwhelming. People were amazed that we were doing this, Matthew recalls. They were really grateful. People realized that it took a long time to sew the masks, and they realized the masks could be very helpful. The Jasons contacted their synagogue to ask if they could put a collection box near the building for community members to donate the extra kippahs as well. The Jewish community reacted enthusiastically. Within weeks, the Jasons received about 700 donations. Even though the Jasons are all very busy, either working or attending classes online or whatever, they somehow found the time to sew hundreds of masks. The mom especially has spent countless hours sewing, doing most of the work, fitting the time in between her work as a busy psychotherapist. They're originally worried that the project might be too big for them, but so far they've managed to mask and make their project into a reality. To date, the Jasons have sold about 340 masks and have donated them to homeless people and also to local health clinics. Each week, the family fields calls from people recommending local sites that are in need of masks. The Jasons are working hard to keep up with the man. They named their project Keepas to the rescue. Matthew says he and his family are going to keep making face masks for as long as they can. Realistically, we'd like to keep making them until this whole thing is over, until masks aren't needed anymore. Matthew, who is now 15, shares some wise advice. People should just remember that anything can really help. Any creative idea that you have can help people will always be appreciated. In a time of need, 
in a time of crisis, in a time of upheaval, at least try something. Anything you can do is great. All you can do is try. All we can do is begin. Pekayavos talks about you're not required to finish, but you at least need to begin. It's not on lo ben You can't be expected to finish, but you must at least start. You can't say I won't do anything. We have to begin. Implement, donate whatever you can. Give anything you can to donate. Donate this. Donate that. Nisano Safran depicts in a story on H.com. Hey, Freddy, hurry up, man. Don't you know that stopping for 10 seconds means 10 places further back in line? Fred knew that Camp Idaho Canteen was the most crowded and popular store and snack bar around. That's because it was the only store and snack bar around, at least the only one the campers could get to. During evening break, tons of kids would rush in a mad dash to get there before the checkout lines got too long. Freddy was focused on getting in line, but something about the picture on the metal canister nailed to the light pole caught his eye. You go ahead, Jeff. I'll catch up. His friend gave him a stupefied shrug and went on his way. Your small change can make a big change in his life, said the caption loudly beneath the picture of a sad-looking little kid holding a blanket. Fred figured out it was a charity box for an orphanage in the next town. It said how kids without parents lived very lonely lives, Lolenu, and how giving charity to the orphanage would let them buy the kids nicer stuff and help them feel better. Wow, he thought as he fished through his pocket, pulling out a quarter and dropping it into the box. Those poor kids must need this more than I do. Just then, he saw a couple of his buddies, Mike and Dave, jogging by. Hey guys, check this out! Hesitantly, they slowed down. What's up, Fred? We're in a rush to get to the canteen. Yeah, I know, but this is important. This is a charity box for kids without parents. How about each of you popping in a coin or two? The two guys kind of squirmed. Yeah, that's sad, but you know I'm like broke now, Dave said. Me too, Mike added. Gotta run. With that, the kids started on their way. The same scene happened with all the kids Fred tried to get to give charity. And after a while, he gave up, headed toward the canteen himself. On the way, he ran into his buddies again. Mike was, lipping a triple, was licking a triple-dip monster ice cream cone, and Dave was straw-sipping a super-sized slushy, his arms loaded with the latest superhero series comic books. Hey, didn't you guys say you were broke? Fred asked, annoyed. Huh? When I asked you to give charity, you said you didn't have any money, but that stuff you bought at that canteen must have cost a bomb. Oh, um, yeah, I didn't mean I didn't have money. I didn't, like, have charity money, you know. Dave stammered as the two of them quickly walked off. Fred got in line inside as he watched all those kids who wouldn't put a dime in the charity box, spending dollar after dollar on stuff they didn't even really need. It looked like those poor orphan kids weren't going to have a better life because of this camp. Seemed the only thing the kids here liked doing less than giving charity was waiting in the huge canteen line. Suddenly, he got an idea. He turned to the last kid in line. Some light tonight, eh, Sandy? Yeah, big waste of time, he frowned. But what can I do? I'm addicted to raspberry lime slushes. Listen, Sandy, how would you like me to wait in line and get in for you? You can just go relax back at the bunk and I'll bring it to you. I promise not to even sip it. The kid's eyes light lit up. Yeah, you do that for me? Why? 
because it's a good deed to do favors, that's why. But, he smiled, it's also a good deed to give charity. There's a charity box hanging outside for orphans. They really need money. So I'm willing to wait in line and get your stuff for you if you give me 10 cents to put in the charity box for every dollar's worth of stuff you buy. What do you say? The kid looked puzzled, but interested. Well, if you're straight, I mean, if you're really going to give it to the money to charity, I guess I'm into it. Charity's good stuff, especially if it can get me out of this line. He reached into his wallet. Okay, the slushies are a buck. I'll take two of them. That's two dollars, right? And two dimes for charity. He handed Fred two dollars and twenty cents and went on his way. Fred, smiling, took the money with one hand and tapped the next kid in line on the back to offer him the same deal. Within a few days, thanks to Freddy's plan, the canteen line at Camp Idaho was much shorter. The charity box was much fuller, and Fred was much happier. Even though he was spending a lot of time online, he knew the charity he was collecting was lined up for something good. What a great and simple idea. And what did it cost Fred in the end? Be like Fred. Think with your head. What can be done and donated instead? Nisano Safran writes in another story on H.com. Seth and his friend Jonathan were having a good time shooting hoops one day in Seth's backyard when an ambulance drove by. What's that doing around here? Did somebody get into an accident or something? Jonathan asked, concerned. Seth tossed the basketball he had been dribbling up at the backboard and shook his head. I don't think so. It's going around pretty slowly. Wait, it's making some kind of announcement over the loudspeaker. Hold the ball a second. Let's listen. The boys craned their ears to hear. The semi-annual blood drive will take place this afternoon at Community Hospital. Donate blood and give the gift of life. The semi-annual blood drive will take place this afternoon at Community Hospital. Donate blood and give the gift of life. Hey, remember, Jonathan said with an excited look, we got the notice in school last week about the blood drive. Come on, let's go. Jonathan put down the basketball and practically ran to get his jacket that he had slung over the fence. Whoa, wait a minute. What's the rush? We're in the middle of a game. But Jonathan was unstoppable. It's a big opportunity. I don't want to miss it. Our Hebrew studies teacher taught us that the Torah says, if a person saves one life, it's as if he saved the whole world. Just think of how many worlds we could save now by donating blood. But Seth didn't budge, and Jonathan was surprised to see that his enthusiasm wasn't contagious. Didn't your parents sign the consent form they gave out in school, he asked? Seth gave a nonchalant shrug as he bounced the ball. Sure they signed. I have the form right in my pocket, but what's the hurry? After all, it's not like they're giving something away over there. We're the ones doing them a favor by donating your blood. You could run off if you want, but I'm taking my time. I'm sure they'll be happy to see me whenever I get there. The two boys went their separate ways, and after Seth finished playing a little while longer and listened to a couple of CDs, he finally decided to head over to the hospital to donate blood, certain he'd find only a small line of givers, if any at all. When he got there, he got a big surprise. The whole lobby was packed with men, women, and kids. What's going on here? He thought to himself. Maybe he had heard wrong and they were really paying for the blood or giving out big prizes. Why else would so many people have showed? But after checking it out with a couple of people in line, he was amazed to discover that like Jonathan, they were all just waiting for a chance to help save lives. As he stood at the back of the line, Seth thought about what Jonathan had said. Maybe he was right. It did feel good to be able to give, especially something as important as this. 
He looked at his watch. It was getting late, and he hoped he'd still get the chance. Finally, as Seth neared the front of the line, an announcement came over the hospital intercom. We would like to thank you all for coming. Thanks to you, the blood drive has been a big success, and the blood bank is full. We won't need any more donations this time around. Thanks again, and hope we'll see you next year. The nurses at the donation booths began packing up, and the few people left in line began to head out. Seth ran up to the one of the nurses, practically begged her to let him give blood. But the woman just smiled politely, thanked him, and put away her equipment. Seth could not believe it. He ran to another nurse. Fortunately, she had room for one more last donation. Although he was the one doing the giving, he felt like he had just won the lottery. Seth promised himself that next year he would be first online. He had thought by giving he was doing others a favor. Now he realized that really they were doing him a favor by letting him have an opportunity to give. Don't miss out on your chance to donate or give whatever you can in life. Whether it be your time, your money, your resources, your blood, sweat, and tears to help another individual, do what you can to donate and help others around you. Donate this. Donate that. Don't miss out on the donation chance of a lifetime. Rabbi Zevlev points out on H.com, the Talmud and Baba Basra relates that the wicked Turnus Rufus once asked Rabbi Akiva, if your God loves the poor so much, why then doesn't he provide for them? Rabbi Akiva responded that God could easily provide personally for the poor, but he chose to give us the merit of giving tzedakah to save us from Gehenna. For this reason, says the Medrash in Rus Rabbah, the poor person does more for the rich person than the rich person does for the poor person. The one that gives out from the Gamach does more for the one who takes than the one who's taking does. The one who's giving and the one who's receiving, one does more for the other. The poor person does more for the rich than the rich does for the poor. The person that gives out the item is given more in return than the one that's actually taking the item. When Naomi asked Rus, who had provided Rus with the food she brought home that day, Rus answered, the man I did for today was named Boaz. Boaz provided her with what God could have provided himself, but she provided him with a mitzvah, a chance to be godlike by giving to another. In this light, we can understand the words of Maimonides in his commentary to Avos. All is judged according to the number of deeds. Maimonides explains that it is better to give one dollar of charity a hundred times than a hundred dollars one time. We're going to look at that again in a bit. The more times a person acts in a way that is meritorious and godlike, the more he conditions himself to the performance of mitzvahs and purifies his soul. Tzedakah is not performed for the poor person's sake, but rather to enable the giver to emulate God and merit olam haba. So too with respect to supporting Torah institutions, as the Chavitz Chaim says and explains the verse in Proverbs, it is a tree of life for those who grasp it, and its supporters are praiseworthy. The word lechachazik means both to support and to cling or to grasp. God could provide for the Torah institutions without any human help, but he chooses to funnel his support through human agents. Those agents must realize that their support for Torah is in fact support for themselves. When they recognize that, they will cling to their support for Torah institutions as one clings to a log in a raging river. For them, then, their support is a tree of life. Those who think that they're in fact supporting the Torah will also be rewarded. As God does not deny reward for any good deed, but for them, Torah is not a tree of life. 
The Chavitz Chaim himself was once approached by a wealthy benefactor who offered to underwrite the entire operating expenses of his yeshivan rod in Poland. He politely refused. I cannot permit you to monopolize the merit for supporting my yeshiva and thereby deprive others of an opportunity to do so, he told the man. Whatever you feel pulled to, you should do to help to donate and contribute. Donate this, donate that. In our town, our own town, we have our house basement with its own separate entrance with utilizing mass and time slots. We started the free lending library, the FLL, in our neighborhood. We show our proper experience for all to borrow Jewish novels out of our basement. We use a checkout list of books like a real library to leave contact info and an intercon system between levels used to let me know when the patron is done. We also often lend out different items from our house, such as our cots. We also try to donate our time and food by cooking for people often, sometimes even weekly, whether for a family with a new baby or a loss, God forbid. What can you do in your own life? Donate in any way you can and give, give, give. There's also a really simple way for everyone on earth to give and donate. Ever hear of dailygiving.org? H.com points out from Dr. Miller when it was founded in 2019. A 2019 movement that has been rapidly gaining ground for a few years now gives people a chance to perform a mitzvah every day. Imagine if every single morning you wake up and you've already done one mitzvah. Dr. Jonathan Donath, the co-founder of DailyGiving.org, said in an H.com interview, No matter what else happens that day, you could be assured that at least one good deed was being performed because of you and that you'd already fulfilled the crucial Jewish mitzvah of tzedakah, giving charity. Dailygiving.org donors sign up to donate a dollar or two or more if they choose to give for each person in the family or whatever, every day to charity. Due to the way credit card fees are structured, donors are billed either monthly or yearly, but each day, one dollar from their donations is distributed to a different Jewish organization in the United States or Israel. 100% of all donations are given to the charities, explains Dr. Donath. He and the board that runs dailygiving.org are all volunteers and take no salary. The groups they donate to are all nonprofits who help people on a national level. The idea started in 2019. I just listened to a class about how much every seemingly little mitzvah matters, recalled Dr. Donath. When I went to put a dollar into our shul tzedakah box, as I looked at the dollar, I suddenly viewed it in a different way. It doesn't matter how much I already give to tzedakah. I still get a mitzvah every time I give a dollar. Dr. Donath wondered if there was a way he could guarantee myself this mitzvah every single day for a buck. He searched for any organizations that help people pledge charity every day but found nothing. Dr. Donath was determined to act, realizing that gathering together many people's $1 donations could make a big difference. Dr. Donath assembled a board and approached some of the most prominent rabbinical authorities in the United States for guidance in January 2019. Dailygiving.org was registered as a 501c3 charity in the United States and went live, helping people to donate a dollar a day to a diverse range of charities. As of 2019, dailygiving.org supported 36 organizations dedicated to alleviating poverty, to helping those with special needs, helping the elderly, helping children, helping education. There's so many tzedakahs out there, Dr. Donath noted. His group only helps support organizations that are national in scope and that have low operating budgets. 
A brief sample in 2019 of recent donations included pantry packers, an Israeli charity that donates crates of food to some of Israel's poor citizens each month, Sharshar, a national U.S. group that supports women diagnosed with the Big C, Yachad, an international group dedicated to helping people with disabilities, and many, many others. As of summer 2019, they had given out over $60,000, and 160000 had been pledged. Donors appreciate the peace of mind that comes from knowing that each day they have donated charity and performed at least one mitzvah. One woman explained that she signed up at the merit of her sick child who was bedridden and unable to perform many of the functions most of us take for granted, Lo'alenu. She felt great that her child could now participate in the central Jewish mitzvah of giving charity each and every day. Other contributors have given funds in honor of other people or in memory of loved ones who have passed away. Dr. Donath sends a welcome email to each new contributor enabling him to make a personal connection. Dailygiving.org once received a particularly large daily pledge. Dr. Donath himself called to verify the donation and ensure that they could afford it. The donors in question knew what they were doing. They decided to make Dailygiving.org their primary vehicle for charitable giving. Dailygiving.org is helping people realize that even relatively small amounts of money can make a big difference. A dollar a day is doable for most people. It's less than what you pay for a cup of coffee, especially at Starbucks, which is like $60,000 per cup, or even at Dunkin'. Much cheaper than a cup at Dunkin' or a cup at Starbucks. Giving each day trains you to work on yourself. As more and more donors sign up with dailygiving.org, the seemingly small amount of charity is primed to make a significant impact for thousands of Jews around the world. Dailygiving.org is where you should go. Visit. Sign up. Listen to this. Their website explains... Per day, currently, 8,825 people, meaning 8,824, excuse me, people donating per day. Already donated to Tzedakah organizations, $3,428,247. Over the next year, they pledged $3,220,760 over the next year. They explain that the mission is to enable every Jew to easily perform the mitzvah of tzedakah every single day, to disperse those funds to serving Jewish nonprofit organizations around the world on a daily basis. Just as Jews pray every day, make blessings before eating, say Shema before falling asleep at night, giving charity should also be performed regularly each and every day. Daily giving makes that goal, that mitzvah, easily and attainable. Many of us have been taught from a very young age to put something in the pushka, something in the tzedakah box for the poor every day. Jewish children across the world do this mitzvah each and every morning with zeal and excitement. Daily giving is determined to bring back the joy that giving just a little can bring to one's soul. When you donate daily, your small donation will be combined with thousands of others and given each day to a deserving charity. What can a dollar do? Sometimes in the massive world of Jewish philanthropy, it can become challenging to feel that your charity is making a significant difference. Now it can. By giving a dollar a day an amount that most can afford, you will be contributing together alongside thousands of others. These combined efforts and dollars will reach further and impact more Jews than most of us can ever hope to reach on our own. Your $1 a day will be multiplied exponentially by the power of unity. With approximately 14.5 million Jews in the world today, if only one person gave a dollar a day, that would mean well over $50 million in charitable funds will be distributed to the list of worthy causes every year. The way it works is you choose a recurring donation amount, a dollar a day, $2, $5, etc. Decide whether you want to be charged once a month or once a year. Credit card transaction fees doesn't make it prudent to be charged every day, so they charge per the month, but they distribute per day. 
They are the messenger. They distribute the dollar on a daily basis, whether you're charged monthly or annually. You get a daily email informing you of which organization you help support that day. Example, today your dollar was one of $17,411 sent to help support Camp Hask. They currently help around 57 Jewish charitable organizations. My wife and I personally are participants of this project. We participate and we love it. Our dollar goes a long way. I think we even did two credit cards at one time. I happen to love seeing the emails every day telling us exactly where our dollar goes, how many people gave. Your dollar was $1 of of $8,462 that will be given to Shalom Task Force, that will be given to Yacha, that will be given to Emuna, whatever. Every day they choose somewhere else to go. They have a calendar on the website that shows you where it's going. It is awesome. It is so easy to donate. Give a dollar. Give 10 minutes. Give your resources. Make a gamach. Help those around you. What can you do to donate this, donate that? In fact, there are some fascinating sources, literally, and Tanakh that show us as well. You think about Rashi and Shmos talking about donating to the Mishkan. You think about the Gemara Kesuvos where Marokva was about to die. He said, bring me my records, bring me my account records. They found 7,000 gold pieces. No amount is going to be taken with me to the next world, the sage says. The road is long, the provisions are few. He distributed half of his wealth to Tzedakah. Wait, how could he do that? Didn't the Gemara tell us that you could only give a tenth of your Money up to a fifth, 20% of your money, that does not apply in death. The rule of one-fifth does not apply. Kasuvas also points out, Yaakov himself, way back early on in the Torah, talks about donating one-tenth. If you take care of me, you give me food for the way, clothing for the way, I'll make sure to give ma'asr, I'll make sure to give a, ten- a tenth. Kitcher Shulchanach talks about you could give a third of your whole estate to charity at the end of your life after 120 Really, to do a tenth or 10% could give up to 20%. Remember, nothing goes with us in the next world. But at the end, you could give up to 30% away. But start with a dollar a day. Start with dailygiving.org. The Torah points out in Shemos and Paraglam in 15 to 16, Ted Vav to Ted Zion, the rich shall not give more, the poor shall not give less. The half a shekel, Perm is coming up in a little while, they would give the half a shekel to upkeep the Mishkan. Take the money, give it for the Mishkan. Even back then, it was so important to give, to upkeep, to donate, to be involved communally in helping out. Donations last more than anything else you can buy. It's the only real money that stays with us and stays for us after life. We don't take anything materialistically with us. When we take with us is our deeds, our chesed, our doing for others, and our good name. Baba Bacha points out, Ravashi says, you got to make a stipulation that anyone that comes to donate to charity relies on my discretion, my understanding that I'm going to give the funds to who I want, to people that need it. Baba Bacha also points out, Rabbi Elazar says, Ben Yaakov, give to someone that is a trusted and great person, such as Rabbi Hanina ben Trajan. Give to someone who knows where to give it. You should give whatever you can, but make sure to give money and donations and time and resources to trustworthy people and places. Kasuvos also points out, 49, Rava named and, and, and worked on a person who was a wealthy man to donate to charity 400 dinars for charity. Rambam points out that donations should be given on a day-to-day basis, as pointed out in the gifts to the poor. From each and every yard, a main dish, other types of food, fruit, money, anything you could donate, you should give. Mission Shkalm talks about you could donate your time, you could be an unpaid watchman. Make sure to donate in whatever way you can with whatever objects or talents you may have and whatever anyone can use every single day. 
Mishnah Torah points out also you could donate a Torah scroll to the synagogue, give 200 dinar to the synagogue, make sure to give it where he usually goes. Kitzah Shulchan Aruch talks about how you got to give, especially at Purim time, a reminder of the half a shekel to give to that amount to remind ourselves of the shackle, to remind ourselves that everyone gave something. Anyone who was anyone had to give someone, and to, had to give something. And be happy when you're doing a gifts of charity, and do it quietly, the tractate Derech Eretzuta does. It doesn't have to be a fanfare, you don't need your name on the wing in the hospital, you don't need your name, you need it to be humble, you need to be quiet and modest. Give regularly and quietly, first to people and needs within your own town and community, before giving elsewhere. Rosh Hashanah points out in the Gemara, Give of your property to the community. Make sure you transfer it to the community in the proper manner. Or Chaim LaRosh points out, each week and month, donate as much as you can to charity. Each day before praying, the first thing you should do, give at least something to charity, whatever you can. Whenever you can, tithe your assets and profits. As the Ramam talks about, one deed every day, one dollar is better a hundred times than giving a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars at one time. Every generous act we do makes an impression on us, training us to become more caring individuals. We believe every act we do really trains us better in our behavior. Our deeds are more than just our thoughts. Giving charity on, an, on, a, on a constant basis is more important than giving at one time. Dailygiving.org can train you to do that. When we train our spiritual muscles every single day, we're doing a great service to our community. But you must be very careful with what you pledge. Think about the story from Shoftim. Very famous, very famous story about the Shofet Yiftah, who made a vow to Hashem, if you give the Ammonites into my hand, whatever comes out of my house, the first thing, that will be a burnt offering. So he goes, he attacks them, Hashem gives them to his hands. Basically, he comes home at mitzvah. Who comes out to greet him? Not a sheep, not a goat. His daughter comes out to greet him. She was an only child. He had no other son or daughter. When he saw her, he ripped Kriya. He ripped his clothing. He said, oh my gosh, my daughter, you brought me low. You have become my troubler. I made a vow to Hashem. I can't retract. She said, Father, you have to do what you said to Hashem. Seeing Hashem vindicated, you have to do it. But give me two months. Let me go cry and lament my fate with my friends on the hills. He says, go. He let her go for two months. They bewailed her. After two months' time, she went to her father, and he did it. He said she never married. So... At first face value, the story is extremely tragic, extremely sad, but there is a tiny sliver that makes it a little less sad. The Malbim points out, There is an opinion, and that's the opinion when we learned this many years ago, this is the opinion I try to go by, so it's a little less tragic that she just didn't get married, which is still terrible. No one should know from such things, but hopefully, according to the, the explanation, he didn't actually have to kill her, God forbid. But be very, very careful. The point is, be very careful with what you say you're going to do, what you mention you're going to do, where you're going to send things, how are you going to do things. Kitzur Shulchan also points out, if you say I'm going to donate money to charity, you got to do it. If you say this coin is to charity, you must immediately give it to the poor. You can't donate it. You can't delay it, excuse me. You're going to be in violation of the commandment. Watch what you say that you will give. Watch what you say you will do on it. Make sure you follow through. Make sure you go through it. You say you're going to meet someone or do something for someone. You say you're going to help someone, but you don't follow through. Looks bad for you and everyone else around you. Make sure what you say you will do, go through with things. The last few sources teach us in the gray matter 
David Black and Rav Malachi will talk about how you're obligated to help if you can with the blood and platelets to help dangerously ill people. Pending the Halacha points out, when children or family members are inspired to donate money and do good deeds in their memory, it shows that the departed souls continue to have a positive influence on the world. And the Shnei Lachal Dabrit point out, wealthy people are able to donate 20% of their wealth when they're left with will still be good. When you have limited means, however, you must realize it might be a great hardship. Deal with your local Orthodox rabbi, LOR, with what you can do. You give what you can. Within your means, do so, keeping in mind those who are no longer with us. It could be a zechus for that person. So really do a tenth, 10%, and that could be your time, your resources, your talents, your capabilities. You could give up to 20% or a fifth. At the end of life, you could give 30% away. Nothing comes with us in the next world. The end of life, we can't take anything materially. Why not take what you really can take with you, your deeds, your actions, your mitzvahs, your chesed, your name? Donations last more than anything else you can buy. That's the only real money that stays with us and stays for us. We can't take anything materialistic with us. We take our deeds, our chesed, our Torah learning, our doing for others, our good name. Give whatever you can. Make sure your money and donations go to trustworthy people and places. Donate whatever way you can with whatever objects or talents you may have to others who need or want it every single day. Give regularly, quietly, first to people and needs within your own town and community before elsewhere. Think dailygiving.org. Practical, simple way to do donate this, donate that, dailygiving.org. When we train our spiritual muscles every single day, we're doing a great service to our giving muscles. Watch what you say you will give or donate. Think Yiftach. Think things room that you will follow through and not, God forbid, make an idea that would be tragic or devastating in any way. It's a good rule for life. Follow up. Do what you say you will go do, go through with things, and give what you can within your means. And to do so, keeping in mind those who are no longer with us, this is a chutz for that person. The idea being, you must give whatever you can, wherever you can. Donate this, donate that. Have a donation mindset, thinking what we can contribute to help those around us. You have books you want to give away, make your own FLL. You have clothing you want to give away, figure out what you could do. Don't just wait for Yad Leah when they come or Yad Zara when they come. Remember, as the famous phrase goes, one man's trash is another man's treasure. If it's just taking up space in your house for 20 years, it's not going to be taken. Not today, not tomorrow. Give it to those who can use it. What one person may consider worthless could be highly prized or valued by someone else. Think of starting a gamach. What can you give to your town, to your community? What can you do with your clothing, your toys, your items? Keep in mind, what can most... Help people and allies with your passions and hobbies in life. Think about doing it as a chutz for those no longer with us as well. Go out of your comfort zone to donate and help with what you can with those around you. And if we do so, we can make the whole world so much more brighter. This has been the TTL, where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons. Join us next time, and I'm your host, Tani.